Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. All right, Gary, we'll go ahead and uh, get started. Um, all right, everybody, good afternoon. My name is Stephen Brown. I'm an attorney with Ready and Newman PC here in Houston, Texas. Um, along with me today is Ryan Wilk. He is our uh, firm's immigrant visa practice manager and is one of our firm's partners as well. Um, my primary focus in the office is on non-immigrant visas as well as on litigation efforts. Uh, we conduct this call daily to um, answer any questions anybody may have. Um, Gareth, we'll go ahead and let you uh, get us started here. Sure. Rahul? Hi, Steve. Uh, my name is Rahul, and uh, I have a quick question for you. I was I lost my job this past February, and then my wife, being a Canadian citizen, uh, I her, her company applied for my TD visa, and in the meantime, in September, I got another job, and I got my H-1B petition approved, and I appeared for an in-person interview at the Calgary Consulate on November 1 of uh, earlier this month, and my visa was approved at the window by the visa officer, and today is the 29th, and I have no idea where my passport is. My status is consistently showing as refused. There was one update on November 10, and I have emailed, tried to contact the Calgary Consulate in Canada, and I have no reply, nothing. Any any idea, any suggestions that uh, you can help me out? Um, no, I was going to tell you to reach out to the consulate. Um, unfortunately, with consulate affairs, there's not a ton of avenues to get what you need. They're very, you know, they're a very tight knit organization. Um, there may be a, de- I'm not sure if there's a department of state ombuds. There may be a department of state ombudsman, uh, which there is. You may be able to reach out to. Um, I, I can't say I've ever um, done uh, that with department of state, uh, but you may want to reach out to them and also, um, reach out continue to try to reach out to the consulate just to get a update on where's my stuff. One yeah. thing that you might be able to do is reach out to your local representative and congressman. Yeah. Those are just available avenues. Just not saying it's gonna work, but those are just things, you know, matches that we can like to see if they work. Okay. Okay. So other than that, there you you don't I mean there is nothing unless I mean have you guys seen any cases like this that with excessive delays? I mean it was approved. I mean I don't have anything special in my case, I was just, uh, I never got my TD visa because that takes a long time. And in the yeah. meantime, I got an approval notice for my new job and my employer's waiting. 
and I still haven't heard nothing from the consulate. Absolutely sure. Yeah, unfortunately, the consulates, especially at the age of COVID, um, we've seen weird delays and weird things. It could just be a matter of processing capacity right now. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how uh, COVID's looking with uh, in Canada right now, but it could be a processing capacity thing. Um, it could be any number of reasons that it's held up right now. Yeah, I was not given no 221G. I was not given any questions, additional yeah. questions, absolutely nothing. Yeah, just keep reaching out on him. And like Ryan said, reach out to your congressman as well. Okay, now congressman where I live, that, that congressman? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, guys. Dorothy, let's go ahead and get the next caller. Amit. Hi. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes. Um, all right, so I want to give you a little bit of background. So I got my I-140 uh, rejected, uh, declined um, recently. Uh, I had one previous I-140 approved and back in like 2013, uh, but uh, my, my priority date was uh, back in 2013, but now uh, recently I uh, applied for 140, which was uh, from my new employer, which got declined. However, within this time frame, because my my uh, my priority date became current, uh, that's why I I wanted to apply for this uh, 485 and adjustment of status and everything. So, so we applied I140 again along with the other applications, like all together. Um, I don't know if this is related, but uh, I haven't uh, sent my medical records. Uh, but I have uh, sent all my other applications like 485, advanced mm -hmm. payroll, and I-140 and everything else. So uh, I haven't received the receipt yet, but I was wondering if I, sh when should I send my medical records? Should I send it as soon as I get them ready or I should wait for the RFE or them to send me a letter uh, for the medical records? Okay. okay, let's let's, let's, let's let's look at it two ways. So first way is you say the I-140 was rejected or declined. Yes. Um, that was when you filed with the 485, you filed the whole package together? No, that I filed just I-140. So if my employer wanted to file I-140 and then wanted to get an approval and then file okay. 485, but then it got declined. And then uh, because we were left with very short time. So we applied all of them together next time. Okay, so have you got the receipt notice for this second 485, the second bite of the apple? Did you get a receipt notice for that yet? No, so you know, the October 30 was the last date, pretty much, because in the November bulletin, uh, the date got, uh, it, 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 it uh, retrograded. Moved back, yeah. Yeah, moved back. So, so, so that's how October 30 became the last date for me. So my application was sent about... Uh, just couple, two, three days before. The oh, okay. okay. And you haven't seen any receipt notices for those at the 485, the I-140? Not, not yet. And that's okay. my another question. Uh, is it normal? Like it's been one month. Is it okay to, uh, like generally for H1 or anything else, we get the receipt notice like within one mm -hmm. week, or two weeks. So it's been one month. Uh, is it normal to not have a receipt notice for yet? And I it's would like say it's five applications. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's 
normal, but we are seeing delays on receipt notices, and especially when we're doing the concurrent, where we where we club everything together, the 140, the 45, all that. So yeah, um, just to give you an example, I saw about a, a six weeks, four, four to six weeks delay on cases like that. So what you're seeing is pretty normal. Uh, to get to your second question, now what about the medicals? Um, you can do it one of two ways. My way is the second way, the way I prefer, but either way, you'll be fine. The first way is once you get your 485 receipt notice, take that with the medicals, put it in the envelope and send it to USCIS. Uh, you can email me, Ryan at RN Law Group, and I can give you that address if you need it, but you can probably Google it and find it. The other way that I prefer is to actually just wait on the RFE to come. Uh, and that way you have a little bit more uh, assurance in the package. When you send an RFE, you can go on USCIS's website and it'll show US, uh, RFE sent, RFE response received. The first way, you don't have any assurance. The second way, you can track it a little bit better. One way versus the other, legally, you're fine. I just okay. prefer the second way. You can track it a little bit better. So my employer's attorney also suggested the same. So I wanted to take a second opinion from you uh, because they said uh, the second way is better, uh, uh, maybe for the same reason. But my question was that, won't it call unnecessary delays in the process? Like, like first- Not necessarily. It's one box. And, and if anything, it might be a 60-day delay at tops but right now your party date's not current anyways under the final action maybe and so if it's that's when you kind of want to be more critical with it for you right now it's not going to delay anything you're having an indefinite delay right now waiting on that priority to come current again before they can even approve anything so you're waiting on that one two then they'll either give the rfe and you can send the medicals or if they properly in took them when we try to do this option one what we might call an interfiling of the medicals if they did it right, they put it in a case packet, you never get the RFE. Maybe USCIS doesn't receive it or whatever happens on their end. Doesn't make it into the case packet, they'll give the RFE anyway. So for me, you're not going to delay anything by more than 60 days, the RFE response time that USCIS will have. And so I don't think that you're going to be speeding anything up by trying to act a little bit quicker today. In the end, you know, you're, right now you're waiting anyways. Um, and so whether you want to do it now or wait for the RFE, You'll be in the same spot in the end, that green card approval, and I don't think you're going to be speeding things up. That Why much. would I be waiting anyways? Why would I be waiting anyways? Because waiting for the RFE, I'm saying. And the only reason for that, again, is that assurance that we can track the package. We make sure that USCIS has received it. Okay. So my question cool. is that, um, for, um, does, okay, another question is that, does my previous decline of 140 uh, uh, cause any problem for the new one? Uh, although no, one is a concurrent one. No, it no. shouldn't. As long as as long as you are submitting within the perm, the, the labor's validity period, that first rejection shouldn't have any issues at all. 100% no issues. First rejection was for like very, very uh, kind of weird, like pathetic reason. I've been mean, not, not said that. <laughs> yeah, don't should. worry about it. Don't you worry about it. Okay. You should yeah, be we'll, good. Uh, we'll need to move on to the next one. Uh, yeah, guys, go ahead. Question, how long do you... No, we got to we gotta get to the next. We got to give everybody a chance here. Guys, if you want to uh, get us the next. Yeah, thank you. Yes, everyone. Uh, thank you for taking my question. Uh, my current company has filed my palm in June 2021. And then before Thanksgiving, I got to know that from my attorney, it went to an audit. But uh, they haven't shared any details about whether it is a, a random audit or the target audit. And then no response on the the timeline, whether is the timeline to submit those details. Any, I'm just trying to understand if I submit any FOIA, whether they can, I can able to get that information, the first question, and then the second one will be, what is the timeline to respond to that audit? Um, I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'm not sure if a 
FOIA will get you the details yeah. of the pending application with the RFE. Okay. We'll start there. Yeah. And the reason no, for that is that you're, the audit. Yeah, you're named on it, but you're not a, maybe a party to that perm. So the government's not going to be giving it to you anyway. So to Stephen's point, I don't think the FOIA will, will help. The other thing on the actual audit is, yeah, you might think this is a, maybe a big deal, but the audits, they happen and they're very, I would say common. I would say maybe 15 to 20% of perms get an audit. And it's really just the government making sure that all the boxes are ticked. It's not gonna have anything to do with you and it's really not gonna have anything to do with the company. They just wanna see that all the proper steps were taken for the recruitment. Um, and so how long uh, do we have to respond? I believe it's 60 days and maybe 28 days, uh, but your, your attorney will make sure that it's um, responded to in time. Sure, okay. And what's our timeline for the audit? Processing time. I know previous, the regular processing time is like six months. Right now, it is taking mm -hmm. five to six months. But usually within is... usually within about sixty days of the response to the audit, okay. you should be getting the the perm approval. Okay. All right. Sure. Thank you. That's all. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get the uh, next caller, please. Ashwin. Hi, Steven. Hi, Ryan. Good afternoon. So I have one question. Currently, I'm on L1A right now, and uh, we have applied for uh, H1 change of status uh, two months back, and we got an RFE, and my attorney responded to RFE last, uh, I mean, like two weeks back. And today, the H1 status change to correspondence was received, and USCIS is reviewing it. So what does this mean? That they've received the RFE response and they're they're going through. It's usually what that means. Okay, but initially the status changed. Like we request for evidence was received, and today mm -hmm. after eight to ten business days, it changed to correspondence was uh, received and uh, USA is responding it. So I was worried. Like, is it another RFE or is like not? I mean, not likely. Uh, I mean, I don't know if maybe the company submitted a, a data correction or. Uh, something okay. like that. It could be any number of things. There, there's weird things that happens with that case status page. Um, it's always hard to know exactly what USCIS is thinking. Okay. So, and this is a premium application. So, the final decision should be uh, coming up within this premium timeline, right? 15 business days. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. And also, right, uh, currently this is change of uh, status application. So, once my H1 is approved, on the same day, I have to quit my L1 company, right? Because it yeah. is completely, so I, can, I cannot serve any more single day also on L1. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I, I always tell folks, I mean, you can probably finish the day out, right? If you get the case status updated, uh, 340, you know, uh, you can go ahead and probably finish the day out just fine. Um, but yeah, technically you're no longer on that previous, that L1 status. So I, can, I can still go with the case status online, need not wait for the receipt from the USCIS that it is approved, H1 is approved, right? I can still go with the USCIS online status and and resign the L1 company the same day on Citizen. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you very much. Sunny? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for giving me a chance to ask the question. Actually, I got a job offer from a company and my visa has been filed, which is approved on USCIS website. And it's been today's the 69th day and I have not received my approval notice. But uh, USCIS has provided a, a courtesy fax to my attorney. 
So it looks equivalent to I-797 with respect to I-94 number and the case number, my name, my date of birth. Uh, so does that mean I should still wait for the document or I can go ahead and resign in my current organization? I missed the first part of that. I apologize. Okay, his, so his receipt notice hasn't been received yet, Stephen. So he's got a hmm. courtesy copy of the I-797, but he doesn't you have should, the actual I, hard copy. You should be fine. You should be fine with that. If you're trying to work with a new company on the receipt, you should be fine with the, the courtesy copy. Okay. Okay. I can use that copy as a I-797. Yes, sir. Yeah. So are you seeing any delays uh, recently? Like today's the 69th day and still it's not received. No, I mean, we've seen some lines that could just be lost. I've, I've had a couple of I-140s and things like that that just never came. And so we had to get the courtesy copy. And, you know, sometimes we even paid for another one just to be sure. And we actually had that hard copy. But yeah, mm -hmm. for me, those courtesy copies stand on equal footing with, you know, that original hard copy document. Okay. So is there any steps I should take to contact USCIS or I should ask my attorney to contact? Use the attorney. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mahant. Thank you. Sayed? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, just a background about myself. Uh, so basically, my priority date became current in the December bulletin. And my current employer has not done anything regarding VC. They haven't filed a perm. But my old employer, two weeks back, withdrew my I-140. So my question is that, will my current employee be able to renew my H-1B visa since he withdraw my I-140? And if I go back to my old employer, does he have to start back the perm or can he refile I-140? What would be my situation? Uh, so you're, you're not in you're not in the worst spot. You're not in, of course, our favorite spot, but you're not in a bad spot. So So take that. Um, one, you get to keep your priority date. And so you don't lose that. Uh, your second question was, do you get to use it for the H-1B extensions? The answer to that is yes. And you can use that with any company, even though the company has withdrawn the I-140 approval for you, it's going to remain approved, you know, per USCIS's regulations. Um, and so you'll get to use the I-140, uh, approval, even though it's withdrawn for any H-1B extension. So no problems there. The third issue is, uh, say you go back to employer A, the one who did the I-140, they don't have to start the process over again, meaning they don't have to get a new perm done, but they need to take the old perm from that first I-140 that they did. They use that to file. They have to refile an I-140 for you because why? They withdrew the I-140 two weeks ago. Had they not done that, they wouldn't need to refile the I-140. So they take the old perm, they file another I-140, and as long as your priority date is current, you can do that concurrently. You don't need the I-140 to be approved to do so. Um, so that's, that's how you need to play it. Just a follow-up question. So my understanding was the H-1B is extended because our green card is pending, right? So since my date became current and the new per employer has not done anything on GC, won't that be an issue when it comes for H-1B extension saying that you did not file or do anything? One, it would be your final action date as current. Yes, my final so that's action. one issue. And then the other would be um, you will get a one-year extension. And so they would want to see you take care of what you need to within that year. 
you may have the facts in hand to get another H-1B extension, but they're going to give you sort of a one year to, to get someone to file a 485 for you. Now, if the predate retrogresses, you know, God forbid, then, hey, you get the three-year extensions and you keep doing what you've been doing for maybe the last, you know, five, 10 years. But if the final action date is still current this time next year, you're probably not going to be getting the extension. So you'll probably need to uh, maybe use company A to file the I-140 again, same perm, and file the 485 for you. Okay. And is there any like three, someone I was reading in a form saying that if you, if your date become final action date become current, you only have 365 days to file 485. If not, your old perm file will get lost by the previous employer. Is that true? Oh. No, that's not that's not the case. No. Okay. So the for me the best case is get my current employer to start the perm process. No, they won't need to, uh, the yeah. So as long as it's not that first I one forty company, any other company, yeah, they need to get a new perm done for you. Uh, if you go back to that original company, no new perm is needed. Anybody else, yeah, you need a new perm. And right now the processing timelines are about seven months for average to start today. You can probably get a perm approval in that time. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Jitesh? Hey, Ryan. Hi, Steve. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, uh, my priority date is uh, June 23rd, 2011. And I filed my I-485 on October 30th <clears throat> with a downgrade, EB3 downgrade. Um, so... I have received my EAD and AP, but my spouse is still, my EAD is still pending. So we haven't received it. But um, with the current EB3 retrogression happening, right? So I'm a little more concerned and I was thinking of uh, refiling my case in EB2 because my date is also current in EB2. So do you, I just wanted to uh, talk to you guys and understand, do you recommend uh, interfiling or should I go ahead with the refile? So, I, you know, I actually just talked to someone like this, and when we've got some videos on, online, I'll say this, there's pros and cons to both. Um, with refiling, you're going to get the receipt. It's, you've got something you can track. It's, you know, it's something that can progress. Interfiling's great. It doesn't cost money, and if it works, it's, it's a great outcome. But there's no guarantees with interfiling uh, for these up, uh, upgrades. Right? Well, what do you think? So, yeah, my, so we'll talk big picture and then we'll talk a little bit more to your case. So uh, my view is to, I prefer the, the, the refiling. One, it's going to give you two 485s. One of those two is going to be picked. For me as the attorney, it doesn't matter which of those is picked. Why? It's a green card in the end. So it's just you putting a second, maybe lottery ticket into the pot. One of those is going to be picked for you and your family. It doesn't matter if it's an EB2 or an EB3 green card that's approved. All you want is the green card. So for me, it's better to sort of put two out there. One of them gets picked before the other one. Uh, the other side of the coin is the interfiling. Like Stephen said, it doesn't cost any money, but there's no assurances. Um, I kind of have two issues with it. One, there's no formal technical procedures that USCIS has for this interfiling. So this is literally what I would do if you came to me and said, Ryan, let's do an interfiling. I'd take a letter. I'd take a your 485 receipt notice, and I would send it to USCIS. And I would say, Please consider this gentleman's case instead of the EB3 that we filed it. Here's his EB2 I-140 approval. Please consider it under the EB2 now. And that's the end of it. Once I set it in the FedEx tracking, I can't find anything else about it. And so that's one issue I have is I, I just can't track it. Two, is this going to confuse the hack out of these USCIS officers? 
because there's no formal technical procedures, they get this letter and, and they have nothing to do with it. So whether it actually makes it into your case and whether it's actually ever converted over, we never know. And so for me to gain those assurances, pay that a little bit of extra money to USCIS, file a second 485. And for me, I think it increases your probability of getting the green card that much faster. On the other side, that inner filing, for me, I think it's just going to slow things down. And so it's always your personal choice. Me as the attorney, now legally, you'll be fine either way. But I think we have a little bit more assurances if we go the refiling or filing a second 485 rather than doing the interfiling. And then it gets to your question. You just got the EADs approved. Maybe now you're thinking about filing a second 485. If you use the EAD, it's going to knock you out of H1B status, which means it's going to knock your spouse out of H4 status. I assume she's on H4. Um, if you do that, you won't be able to file another 485 unless you both can come back in on maybe the H1B and the H4. And so it will knock you out of status. So yeah. how do you maybe want to play it? File the second 485. Once you get the second 485 receipted, then I would say, yeah, you're free as much as you can be to use the EAD without having any big consequences. If you use it before filing the second 485, the consequence is, is it's likely going to knock the two of you out of status, which is going to prevent you from filing the second 485. So um, if you want to go that second 485 route, hold on to the EADs for now. Both of you stick on the H1B or the H4, get the receipts for the 485, and then you guys will be good to go. Yeah, that's the plan. So I'm planning to stay with my current employer on H1 and go for the EB2 filing. That sounds like a good plan. That's a big one. Question. So with with the new EB2 filing, it won't impact my existing EB3 application, right? Two or day two or two independent applications, right? Not at all. At one point, USCIS may come to you when it's sort of towards the approval stage, when they're ready to approve it. They might ask you to pick one or the other. Do you want to go with EB2 or EB3? But here and now, having two going, one will not impact the other. And also one last question. I file my EB3 I-140 downgrade as a new petition. So filing the EB2, I don't have to withdraw my EB3 application, right? So they can be parallel. No, I would tell you to not do that. Don't, don't withdraw it, just file it as a new, don't file it as an amendment or anything. Just file okay. a new EB2 case with that old perm. Okay, thank you. That's, that's of course. Thanks, Josh. Uh, we'll get uh, a couple more here. Uh, hi, thank you guys. Uh, so quickly, uh, um, my H-1B was expiring on June 24th, uh, earlier this year. And I did speak to Rahul briefly here on this call in June, and he recommended that while we were waiting for our um, EAD filed with my wife's uh, application, um, and we did a downgrade earlier in October last year, uh, we haven't still received uh, the EADs. So he said uh, to be on the safer side, just file an H-4 also. Uh, I did file the H-4. And uh, now my employer, since my H-1B had expired, my employer, my perm was pending. So my perm got approved and I have an I-140 approval today. So my uh, BAL is our uh, uh, law firm and they're going, you know, they're going to be filing my H-1B now. But since my H-4 is approved now, so it's going to be um, a change of status, not an H-1B extension. So they said, I got an email earlier today that they will be filing a consular App uh, processing application, and I would have to go out of US. Is that a norm, or can I recommend something else to them? You're doing a change of status to from H4 to H1. Yeah, because my H4 got approved. We haven't received an H, uh, 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 EAD approval, which okay. we filed like uh, the perm app, the AOS was filed last year in October, okay. and my H4 if, got approved. 
If your H4 this- is approved, you could do a change of status from H4 to H1. I don't know why you would have to consular process unless there's something I'm missing. No, that's all. I mean, this is it. So I just got an email and I have written into them that why would I have to travel outside the country for a, for a visa appointment? Why would you not file a yeah. US? I mean, unless, yeah, I mean, the only way I would have done it is if your um, H4 was still pending. Obviously, we constantly process the H1B, but since it's been, the H4 has been approved, mm-hmm. um, I don't see any reason you can't um, do a change of status. Okay. Yeah, I have written into them. I was just thinking if there is another thing I can tell them. So one other caveat I want to ask. So we applied for on October 30th last year for our AOS with a downgrade to EB3. And now that uh, our date is Ju- July 2013, it went back retrograde. So do you know, I mean, and we haven't received our EADs also. So it's been 13 months going. I've written mm-hmm. into the consular, everything. We just, I mean, hands tied. And now I have to go back. I have been off work for six months because of this also. We got my H1B expired. Okay, so... What you're experiencing is across the board common. Yeah, 13 months, still haven't seen the EAD and AP approval. I hate to say that that's common and normal, but that's the reality that we're facing right now. So where you're at is very common. Um, You're going to travel and hopefully you can come back in. That's not in and of itself going to hurt your 485 case. If you get stuck out and then government wants to call you in for the 485 interview and you can't make it, then the, the green card's going to fall away. That doesn't mean you can't go forward, consular processing and things like that. So just traveling, that's not going to kill the 485. If you can't get back okay. in, that's going to kill the 485. And so uh, as long as you are, you know, are reasonably com- confident that you'll make it back in, nothing is going to happen to the 485. Yeah, but like uh, Stephen, you said, they can file for a change of status within the U.S., within U.S. also. I don't have to travel out, right? Yeah, I don't see any reasons that your okay. H-4 is approved that you can't. Okay, thank you. Do one or two more? Okay. Yeah, we'll do. Let's do two more. Amit. Yeah. Uh, so my uh, H1B and my family H4 expired uh, last month, and uh, we applied for the extension uh, five months ago, but we have not received uh, an, any uh, confirmation on that. Uh, and now my EV2 priority date is current. So if I file I485 with the expired I94. Uh, will you, UCIS uh, reject my case or send any RFE? You you said it expired what last month? Yeah, my uh, H1B and my family H4 expired last month, uh, including I94. Ryan should be fine for 245k, right? I think so. It's less than 180 days. I think you're good um, because it's less than 180 days that you're. So right now, right, you're in a period of authorized stay, but you're not in status. Um, since you're not in status, I, I believe it's 245K, if I'm uh, remembering it right, uh, allows you to uh, uh, file for your adjustment of status if you're out of status for less than 180 days. Um, so I believe you're fine. You may want to just double check with, uh, with someone uh, to be 100%. So in, in this case, if... Uh, uh... We will they issue the RFE later that uh, you were not in uh, because your I-94 was expired? Um, what they would do is they would give you an RFE asking that you demonstrate that you were in legal status when you filed the four, on the date that you filed the 485. Uh, so 245K should be your quote-unquote saving provision. 
that that yes, on paper, on the documents that you'll present, perhaps you weren't in status, but the 245K gives you that 100, 180 day window um, or should provide you that window. And so um, you, you may get an RFE if they question it. If not, you'll never see anything. Okay. Thank you. And if it's less than the 180 days, they may just, like Ryan said, just look over it. But take a look, 245K is what you're looking against. All right, we'll take one more here. George Stewart. Anden? Yep. Thank you. So my question is, uh, I have an EB2. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Hey, uh, I got an EB2 uh, prior to date of December 11, approved I-140, and then downgrade to EB3 October 3rd, 2020, right? Same similar situations, mm -hmm. uh, pending I-140 approval. But my H-1B uh, expires on 6th of December, the next, uh, next, this uh, Sunday. And the company did not, our company did not extend uh, my H-1, citing that I will get my EAD, which I did not. Mm -hmm. So now, now my attorney is telling me I cannot legally extend my H-1B. I don't know why, but she said she can, we cannot extend our H-1B and, and she has expedited, you know, sent expedited request to USCIS and also the attorney, you know, the senatorial intervention. Mm -hmm. But I'm asking for a second opinion here. Like what is my next best course of action since my H1 expires in six days? And I don't know about the outcome of the expedite request. So in term, so your H1B expires in how many days, six days? Six days, yeah, five days. So, I mean, at this point, that's why they're saying they can't file the extension is it's just too close to the expiration date to file the extension of the H-1B uh, time limit. It takes seven days to do an LCA. Um, so, I mean, that's that. Other than that, I mean, you can just you know, wait it out now for the green card, you know, the interim benefits of the green card, um, potentially maybe late file the H-1B, um, you know, and, and, and maybe try to ask, you know, them to explain, you know, explain that, hey, we were thinking the, e, the C9 EAD was going to come in. Um, it's kind of a um, not great position to be in, but at least you're, you know, you're, you're lawfully present. Brian, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I have two thoughts. One, um, it's not going to hurt to take a bite at the apple uh, and do a late filing and ask them to sort of forgive that, that small gap. The other side is, let's look at it in the worst case scenario. Say the H-1B falls away and you don't have that anymore. You can still stay in the country. There's no questions about that. You have the pending 485. What you would then be waiting on is one of two things, that EAD to be approved, and that's going to put you back in work authorization, or you try to go consular process the H-1B. In a normal world, I would say that's not really that big of a deal. Go ahead and get it done. You can get it done over the course of a week. In the COVID world, getting a visa interview and all that stuff, I might tell you to not travel now. That's being a little maybe naive because, yeah, we want some money coming into the household. Um, so we have to look at it, one, in a, in a legal perspective, and then the other, the economic perspective. Economic perspective might tell you, hey, if you don't have work authorization, maybe you need to figure something else out. Uh, if you're okay with staying here without work authorization, again, that's perfectly fine in the legal sense. Uh, you're allowed to stay here with a pending 485, and for you, you're just waiting on that 485 to come. Uh, I'm sorry, the 485 to come as well, but you're waiting on the EAD to be approved. And so that's what you're looking at. And so to Stephen's point, it's not going to hurt to try to take a bite at the apple, 
get that late filing, see if they allow it. If they do, hey, it's perfect. You've got the approval. You can start working. If not, option B, you've got to wait a little bit, uh, wait for that EAD to come. And I, unfortunately, I don't have any predictions on when those EADs might be coming. I was told in September it would be a six-month window. So, and that hasn't occurred. So, um, take that for what it's worth. Awesome. Thanks a lot of you. Of course. Okay. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining. We've got to um, hop off. Tons of resources available. One, I mean, obviously, we host this conference call uh, daily. Uh, we have our weekly Facebook Live starting on the Tuesdays at 5 o'clock Central Time. Uh, and as always, you're welcome to set up an appointment with any of our firm's attorneys at appointments at uh, .rnlawgroup.com. And be sure to subscribe to our social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, uh, which we provide valuable resources for as well. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.